Please take your Bibles as we finish up the book of Galatians this morning. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Galatians 6, 11 through 18. I'll read and then we'll jump in and see what God has to say to us this morning from his word. Uh, Paul says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And those who walk who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, but I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. A mother took her young son Christmas shopping. After a day in the stores, a clerk handed the little boy a lollipop. What do you say? The mother said to the boy, to which he replied, Charge it! Sometimes we just don't know how much we, uh, we can affect, how much effect we can have on another person, like a child. And sometimes it takes a while, like uh, Dr. John Getty, a Presbyterian uh, missionary to the New Hebrides, Vanuatu, uh, he went to an island called Anyitium in 1848 and worked there for 24 years. On the tablet erected to his memory, these words are inscribed. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. When he left in 1872, there were no heathens. Getty had a huge influence upon these people by God's grace. He affected many. And this is what the gospel should do to us. It should affect every aspect of our lives. It's just not something we give to someone who's not a Christian and then that's it. This is what the gospel should do to us, in us. It should affect every aspect of our lives. It should affect our friendships, relationships, language, our thoughts, words, acts, attitudes. And this is why we have said over the past couple weeks, live in gospel freedom. This news of gospel freedom is relevant. It's not some theological jargon that we uh, talk about here and there. It's relevant news. The gospel is relevant. You don't need to make the Bible relevant. The gospel is relevant. The news of free grace is very relevant. So relevant, (laughs) excuse me, it should 
completely affect us. How we live shows what we truly believe. How we live shows what we truly believe. The gospel determines what we truly believe about life. How we live in reference to the gospel determines what we truly believe about life. And remember, here's the news. We're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. So live in this gospel freedom. That's the news. That's the news that's relevant. That's the news that's been portrayed, that's been screamed, that's been shouted from Galatians these past few weeks. And if we truly believe this gospel, then it will affect how we live, what's important to us, and in whom we boast, in what we boast. And you're gonna see two contrasts from the text. Those who boast in the flesh, or flesh boasters, and those who boast in the cross. Cross boasters. Flesh boasters, cross boasters. Flesh boasters. Flesh boasters fear human opposition and exult in human praise. Is that the other one here too? I think so. Yeah. They're man pleasers. They're merit gainers. They're persecution haters. And what I mean by that is they don't want to get persecuted. (laughs) They don't want to suffer. They don't want to suffer for the gospel. So those who boast in the flesh, they fear human opposition. They exult in human praise. They're man pleasers. They're merit gainers. They hate persecution. Notice how this begins, verse 12. Paul says those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They desire to make a good showing. He's talking about these Judaizers. They pursued their program so that they could have fellow Jews accept them and not persecute them. Because you start talking about free grace, you don't have to be circumcised. Well, Jews are going to persecute you. You can't do away with the law. Well, they don't want to be persecuted. So they, uh, pursue their program so they can have fellow Jews be on their side. They were only concerned about themselves, about their honor, about their own ease. They didn't care about the Galatians. They didn't care about the churches of Galatia. They didn't care one ounce about them. For them, these Judaizers, a good show was more important than the basic message of Christianity, which is the cross. Look, a Christianity severed from the cross is not true Christianity at all. A Christianity that's severed from the cross is not true Christianity at all. (laughs) And that's what they were doing. They were severing the cross from Christianity, well, that's a false Christianity. That's a false gospel. The cross of Christ, the historical crucified Jesus, is the whole doctrine of our salvation. I mean, you heard it from these two young men. Jesus died for my sin. 
as opposed to being justified by our good works. God is pleased with us because he is pleased with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a promise of the gospel. Verse 13, for those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. The Judaizers do not even keep the law themselves, yet they're willing to put that burden on others. They could not bear the law's burden, but they wanted the Galatians to submit to that yoke of slavery when they couldn't do it themselves. They don't even keep the law themselves, but notice verse 13, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They wanted to boast in the fact that the Galatians were circumcised. They became true Jews. They were counting converts and relaying this information to their Jewish kin. They manipulated the Galatians to become their converts, not gospel converts. And that's a sign of unbelief. A sign of unbelief is to boast in ourselves in our endeavors, job, character, uh, uh, proud of your spiritual growth, you speak high of your spiritual attainments, blah, blah, blah. You see from the text, these two verses, the motives of the Judaizers. They made a good show, they boasted in their circumcision, and they didn't want to be persecuted. They escaped persecution. They were merely men-pleasers trying to gain merit by the Galatian converts and divert any kind of persecution like ostracism, threats, physical torture, uh, slander. They wanted to bring a compromise between the non-Christian Orthodox Jew and and the non-Christian Jewish position of Paul. They were trying to, to merge that together, merging grace and works but their real motivation was revealed. They just didn't want to be persecuted. They didn't want to suffer for the sake of the gospel. The best way to avoid persecution is to soften the message of the gospel, to soften the cross of Christ. Then we won't offend people. So this is what it's about to boast in the flesh. This is what it means to be a flesh boaster. Flesh boasters, they fear human opposition. These Judaizers did. Uh, They exulted in human praise. That's exactly where they were at. They were man pleasers, merit gainers, persecution haters. That's someone who boasts in the flesh. But now let's talk about this. The opposite to that. Cross, cross boasters, those who boast in the cross. Those who boast in the cross, cross boasters. Cross boasters fear God and exult in Jesus and his cross. They deal with themselves and they think about the cross and they fear the Lord 
think about themselves in the sense of the cross and, and this is my relationship with Christ and the cross and they don't care about what anybody else thinks. You see that in Paul. Look at verse 14. May it never be that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wanted nothing to do with any of this stuff with the Judaizers. He was driven to boast only in the cross of Jesus to glory in the crucified Savior and he would glory in nothing else. The Judaizers were able to avoid the offense of the cross but Paul was willing to bear its reproach living and proclaiming the news of free grace putting his very life on the line. I mean, what is there to gain from, for Paul? There was nothing for him to gain. I mean, what do you gain by, by telling people about the truth of the gospel? You have nothing to gain from this. I mean, think about it. You have nothing to gain when you're telling somebody but the gospel of Christ and the cross. There's nothing for you to gain. It's everything that you can lose. I boast in nothing except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, remember, in that time period, the crucifixion was a horrible, despicable, loathing thing. You didn't want to die this way. I, I want to be crucified. I'm going to go with that. You didn't, do, you didn't want that. You didn't do that. And so to boast in this in Paul's day would be unspeakable horror. I mean, people hated this. You know, now today, I mean, people walk around with a, you know, a chain with a cross on it. I mean, you didn't, you didn't do that. <laughs> you didn't do that in the first century. You walk around with a chain with a cross. People be like, you're, you're crazy. What are you, boasting on the cross? You want to die that way? Nobody wants to die that way. For Paul, though, the cross was central. So it must be central to us. Everything we refer back to, all that we should think about, all that we focus on should be the cross. It should be central to our thinking. We take pride <laughs> in the cross because it empties our own pride. We take pride in the cross because it empties our own pride. It shows us our unworthiness and pours contempt on all our pride, as the song goes, since we see the wonder of God's love. We see the wonder of God's love and because we see this, it shows we're so unworthy and it pours contempt on all our pride. We don't take pride in ourselves. We don't take pride in our works. We don't take pride in our merit. We don't take pride because I prayed enough today. Oh cool, I read the Bible enough today. Awesome, I went to church service. I got baptized today, so cool. I'm right up there with Jesus. It means nothing. We take pride in the cross because it empties your pride. I mean, we celebrate Jesus taking on flesh, being born as a baby. I mean, talk about something that just kills our pride. What an act of humility. And yet we get bent out of shape when someone offends us. And Jesus did it to glorify the Father in saving sinners. 
So we would be trophies of grace, trophies of his mercy, trophies of his love, trophies of his compassion. The only way to be made right with God is through the cross of Christ. Are you a boaster in the flesh or do you boast in the cross? And now, if we are cross boasters, then it will affect us in four different ways. If, if you boast in the cross, this is what you see in Paul. He's going to show us this. <laughs> if you boast in the cross, it affects you in four different ways. And there's probably more ways than that, but from the text, there's four, okay? Number one, the world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world. Verse 14, through which, he's talking about the cross of Christ, through which <clears throat> the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Through the cross of Jesus, Paul died to this present evil age. And this present evil age was dead to him too. And when he says world, he means all those things he once boasted in. And all those things meant nothing to him now. And if you remember Paul, Philippians chapter 3, talked about that uh, for him. Uh, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, um, uh, Pharisee, I mean, zealous for the law. All these things he could boast in. I mean, all these uh, uh, these. Points on his resume, he could point out, "Hey, this is what I was all about." I don't boast in that. That's of the world. The world, all that's outside of Jesus, that people seek glory and into which they put their hope and trust. That stuff's dead to me, and I'm dead to them. This world system with all its allurements, fleshly shows, religious human effort to gain God's acceptance, earthly pleasures and treasures, honors, values, all of what people make more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. Throw in that drugs, alcohol, friends, relationships, career, church. Paul died to this whole way of living. Now he lived in a whole new way of existence. We're set free from the law as a means of justification. And the old life was the law curse that's condemned. So the world is a refuse to me and I to the world. That's how it affects you when you're boasting in the cross. The historical event of the life and death of Jesus ends the old world and ushers in the new world order, not what they're talking about at the World Economic Forum. The new world order, God's new world order. Has the world become a refuge to you and have you become a refuge to the world? See, this is why, this is why the cross is a huge stumbling block People need to humble themselves before God and see that their good works means nothing to God. Your good works don't add or take away anything from your salvation. It means nothing. You can't gain God's acceptance. Like somebody said to me Friday, you know, I'm a really good person. I am such a good person. 
It means nothing. You, you can't merit from God by the good things that you do. Or what, in the movie it says, you know, at Christmas time, good works count double. It's in a Christmas movie. It's a, the person says that. Uh, good works, they count for double in Christmas. The kid says, really? No way. I didn't know that. Yeah, it does. Jesus is in Santa Claus. It's not your good outweighing your bad. And this is why <laughs> the cross is a huge stumbling block for people because they need to humble themselves and see your works mean nothing to God. Nothing. To embrace the cross is to be stripped naked and bare of all your merits and you see your utter desperation and complete dependence on God's mercy and grace. If you miss anything in the sermon, don't miss that. Don't miss that statement. When you embrace the cross, it means you're stripped naked and bare of all your merits and you see your utter desperation and your complete dependence on God's mercy and grace, which is shown at the cross when Jesus died as your substitute. Where you should be condemned, remember the water is judgment, where you should be killed and you should face God's judgment, Jesus did it for you. And then he changes you and transforms you and is gonna mold you more into the image of his own son, that's what the Father's gonna do, that's amazing. Nothing else to glory in but the cross of Christ. This is how valuable the cross must be for us. And when it, when it is, it affects you in this way. The world's dead to me, and I'm dead to the world. It's a refuse. It's excrement to me. Second way it affects you. <laughs> The new creation is my focus. The world's dead to me, I'm dead to the world. And now the new creation, that's my focus. Verse 15. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have that piece of skin on you or not. In the kingdom. Must I be graphic? I will. In the new created order, in God's new world order, in the age to come, in the plan of redemption, circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. What matters is a new creation. Notice he says, but a new creation. God's new world order was inaugurated as a result of Jesus' atonement and his resurrection. The new creation is now my focus. The new creation is now my focus. What matters most is a new creation, not being circumcised, not following some law. What matters most is I'm a new person. I mean, we did that this morning. These young men, they're testifying to you. I'm a new person. I'm a new Isaiah. I'm, I'm a new Nathan. This is what God's done in me. We as followers of Jesus <laughs> belong to this new world order, the new humanity. This new creation 
is not relegated to our subjective experience per se. It's the reality of God's kingdom. Ushered in by the life and death of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, the new creation has begun. It's here now. God's new world order is here because people are getting saved, being transformed, being changed. <laughs> so, so the law as a means for salvation, it's useless. The law merely points out that you're just an evil, wicked person. It's part of the old way of life. You're cursed, you're condemned. Uh, it's about justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And this objective reality becomes our own reality as we experience the new birth, new life that comes by the Holy Spirit and regeneration. And this is where uh, chapter 5, verse 6 comes into play. Uh, Paul said, <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. In God's new world order, there's a new you. It's by the mighty, horrible, precious, bloody, despicable, shameful cross that this new creation happens, this new creation comes. The cross is our pride and joy. It's the Christmas gift we show off. We live our lives by this new creation, this new standard. Look at what he says in verse 16. And those who will walk by this rule. Now let's stop there and unpack these words. <coughs> Excuse me. Walk. It's the same word that's used in chapter 5, verse 25. 525, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, which means keeping in step with the Spirit. So those who keep in step with this rule, when he says rule, he, it's like a ruler or a straight edge for a measuring stick. It's like the standard. So this new rule or standard is, is pervasive, it's radical, it's a standard by which we walk, by which we keep in step. The new creation is my focus. I'm keeping in step with that. So a person must place their complete trust in Christ and Him crucified and solely regulate their life by this principle. That's what that means. The new creation is my focus. <laughs> and if you live this way, walk this way, keep in step with the standard. Notice what he says. Peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. The Christian life is totally based upon the person and work of Jesus through whom we have peace and mercy with God the Father. You can have peace with God the Father through the cross. You're shown mercy and grace by God the Father at the cross. Circumcision doesn't bring you peace. Circumcision doesn't bring you mercy with the Father. Only Jesus no one and nothing else but Jesus. If there is any news, 
that's vital and essential is the news of free grace whereby we can be made right with God and not face his just judgment. He shows us his great grace. That's the gospel. If you're here, you don't know Christ. Or you're here and listening to this message. You can hear the message of grace where God will save you when you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, saying, I should be condemned, but Jesus, you were condemned and face God's wrath in my place as my substitute. I turn away from my sin and I trust that you died for me. He'll save you. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the grace of God. If, there, if there's any rule, <laughs> any standard that we're called to live by, it's the rule of Christ, the new creation. And it's the standard it's not just for Gentiles. Gentiles, but not Jews. Peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. It's a standard not just for Gentiles, but also for Jews. That's why Paul says <clears throat> the Israel of God. Jews are not to focus upon circumcision, but upon the person and work of Christ, their Messiah. If they follow this rule, they will have peace and mercy. We follow this rule, we'll have peace and mercy. So, we're boasting the cross, it affects us how. I'm dead to the world, it's dead to me. The new creation is my focus. Third, I embrace suffering. And you can even add, <coughs> excuse me, I embrace suffering for the gospel. For the gospel. I embrace suffering for the gospel. Uh, verse 11 and verse 17. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So it's like Paul said to his amanuensis, who's the dictator, he's like, give me that pen, man. And he wrote the ending of the letter himself. Well, why does he do this? And he was trying to authenticate the letter. He's stressing this letter was to them from him. He wrote in large letters, not simply because that was the way he wrote, but possibly for emphasis. They would recognize that this letter truly was from Paul himself. So he's saying, listen to me, listen to me what I'm telling you, verse 17. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. In other words, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. I'm for real. These clowns, Judaizers, and maybe some Galatian members, they may avoid persecution, but Paul's saying, my body was branded with the marks of Christ. There's no reason to doubt his motives because he was willing to be persecuted for the gospel. No, not like the Judaizers. They hated to be persecuted for the gospel. They tried to avoid that any way they could. But Paul says, I have the marks of Jesus literally on my body. I've suffered tremendously for this gospel. I'm not about just getting things so I can get what I want. Interesting, the, the word brand marks were placed upon slaves. Even Galatian slave owners practiced with, with their slaves. So Paul <laughs> had suffered wounds <coughs> excuse me, and injuries in preaching this news of free grace. These marks gave 
palpable proof that Paul was suffering for the Lord Jesus, with the Lord Jesus. He was suffering for the gospel. He was a slave of Jesus. I mean, just uh, in Lystra alone, he was almost stoned to death. To suffer on behalf of the news of free grace is the sign of holding true to that gospel of free grace. We truly get that boasting the cross has this inclusive aspect of suffering. If you embrace it, you're going to suffer for it. The inseparable benefits of Christ's death is we fellowship with his sufferings. We are rejected. We are scorned. We are shamed. And in some cases, we are killed. We'll suffer. If you're going to boast in the cross, you embrace suffering for the gospel. We're called to be conformed to his death in regards to the things of this world, whether they be material, immaterial. We die, even daily die, to the world and the things of this world. And when we become dead to the world, then we become an object of contempt to that world. To those who place their confidence in the world and the things of this world. Look, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. If Jesus suffered, so will you. Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul says that. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. <laughs> I like what John, Calvin, uh, John Piper says, not John Calvin, John Piper. He says this, quote, <clears throat> You cannot cherish the Christ of Calvary without joining him on the Calvary road. You cannot cherish the Christ of Calvary. You can't cherish Jesus on Calvary if you're not going to join him on the Calvary road and suffer. The world's dead to me. I'm dead to the world. The new creation is my focus. This is how it's affecting me, both in the cross. Third, I embrace suffering for the gospel. Fourth, and this is good, not that the others aren't good, but this is really good. God's grace is always present. God's grace is always present. Verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. A closing of grace depressed this news of free grace upon the spirit of his readers. When we become cross boasters, It affects us because God's grace will always be present with us. He called them brethren. Interesting. As a way to show he hadn't given up hope in them. (laughs) He called them back to grace. And in this letter, the Lord Jesus will give his grace by his mighty presence because his grace is is found as we listen and heed his inerrant word. Or to put it another way, (laughs) as they heeded and listened to the words he wrote, the grace of Jesus would be with them. 
as we heed the word given to us in this letter, the news of free grace, we're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. The grace of Jesus will be with us just as well. <laughs> so may the grace of Christ, the freedom of the gospel, and the power of the Spirit be yours, Cottonwood Bible. And may it continue. Listen. And may it continue when this church is replanted as Valley Life Church of Cottonwood. May it continue. May you be a part of building that foundation of a church that's built on the foundation of the gospel of free grace, that we're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Live in this gospel freedom. The news of the gospel, the news of the gospel, it's very relevant, isn't it? Very relevant. Let's pray. And we do need your grace, Father, <laughs> to help us to stay in grace. <laughs> we need your grace to help us stand fast in grace. We pray for that for us. Help us to stay in grace, to stand firm in grace, to be faithful to this gospel, this news of free grace. It's a work that only you can do in us, only you. We'll take a few moments if you would. There'll be a few moments of silence. <clears throat> take this opportunity to fill your mind with the news of free grace, of God's grace to you in Christ and the cross. Let the message of the gospel overwhelm you God's gracious mercy to you. God's merciful grace to you. And may it show itself in thanks and praise and uh, humility. Take the time, if you would, and do that now, please. <clears throat>